Welcome to this Ocean Life podcast, episode number 51. I'm your host, Josh Peterson. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Mile 22, makers of surf and paddleboard accessories, including the world-famous Monster Straps. Long, wide, easy on your board, easy on your boat. I absolutely love them. All designed by folks who surf and paddle every day. Check them out online at mile 22 Com. Now, in today's episode, we speak with Victoria Burgess, an incredible woman of the water and world record holder. Victoria shares her stories of paddling 115 miles from Cuba to Florida in under 28 hours to break the world record for fastest solo female SUP paddler to cross the Florida Straits. We hear Victoria's approach to training for a record paddle, years of competitive surfing and sup racing, paddling in Molokai to Oahu, and finding her love for foiling and the waters of Southern Florida. Victoria shares her thoughts on nutrition and, and training for competitive paddling and her philosophy around preparing body and mind for endurance sports in the water. So thanks for sharing Victoria's ocean life with us. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Hope you're getting out in the water, having some fun this winter. Now let's get into the ocean life of Victoria Burgess. Hey, Victoria, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. You know, this is like one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast is because I talk, I meet people, you know, kind of virtually or you're in Florida here, I'm in California that I had no idea was doing like rad, epic, really inspirational things. And you're one of those folks. And so thanks for reaching out and taking your time to share with us today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people on your podcast and I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. So I was like, Hey, that's really neat. That's cool. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm stoked because it's like, I'm always on the out. So there's you know, there's a lot of commonalities we all have with each other who spend time in the water. And sometimes some of us have activities that overlap a little bit closer. And you're kind of one of those with me. Like I've, you know, we have some races we've done the same thing, like Molokai to Oahu, you know, semi pretty burly endurance stuff. But you've done something that I've, I'm just, tri- I can't wait to hear about, which is you set a world record for paddling from Cuba solo to Key West, Florida, which is, I mean, 115 miles. And so anyway, that's one of the big ones I can't <laughs> wait to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but before I, I start, so there's that one I'm just like dying to hear about. We're going to get into it. Um, but also, you know, one of the things I really like about what you're up to, and this is just more of like a, I'm always on, I say this all the time on the podcast, I spend so much time on social media looking at folks, seeing what's going on. And when I saw your name, you reached out and said, hey, this is what I've been up to. I'd love to share. And I was like really stoked. So I went and checked you out. And I always kind of, it's fun to look at the people's, the names that we all give each other or give ourselves on Instagram and et cetera. And you're Aquaholic V. And, (laughs) you know, and I was like, yeah, Aquaholic, that's cool. But when I see all the stuff you're doing, which is like surfing and you're SUPing and you're foiling, you're on the six man outrigger, you're on the one man. I mean, Aquaholic probably doesn't do it justice the amount of time. (laughs) It's a little (laughs) bit of an obsession. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's all such good stuff. So, so Victoria, I'm going to stop babbling here and and let you jump in. So, here's the thing Um, I would love to hear about the your chica libre paddle cuba to key west and tell us about how that even came popped into your mind as a thing to do how you prepared for it and then leading up to the actual story of doing it okay yeah so i mean as you know i've done a couple of crossings before molokai to oahu and maui to molokai and um being a surfer from the beginning i'm more drawn to ocean style races and when i started doing these navigational type of things 
I was like, man, this is what I really like. I mean, I love race and racing, but you know, I work full time and everything like that. So it's really hard to like train and keep up with the competition. So I'm like these navigational things, you know, you can achieve your goal, still try to do really, really good, but you don't have that, you know, Oh my God, I got to win like yeah. the six mile race thing. So, right. um, this year was, or last year was, it was getting kind of busy. Uh, I decided to do my PhD. So I was like, well, I don't oh, know if wow. I'll make it to Hawaii, but what can I do over here in the waters that we have to train in? Um, and then I started looking at different channels and that's when I found the straits and I was like, all right, well, I know this has been done before with, you know, Diane and I had swimming and yeah. I know a guy did it. Some prone lifeguards did it. So yeah, I chose to do that. It was only three times longer than what yeah. <laughs> I normally do, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the but thing. I, figured, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was wondering about that. Cause I saw, okay, you've done Molokai to Wahoo. Not easy. Very, very challenging. <laughs> People would say it's the hardest race in the world. I'd probably agree. But then you're like, yeah, I'm going to do something here. Oh, I'll do 115 miles. And, <laughs> and, and you know, cause you've heard the stories of the folks who've done it, that it's also challenging with t with the current and the wind etc but you 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 set your sights and went for it anyway <laughs> yeah yeah I was you know I just I had just been really trying to put my body and my mind to the test these days and I figured you know this is it's not the same kind of swell out like out in Hawaii mm -hmm. that they have so you know I felt like okay I'm going to be dealing with currents I'm going to be dealing with wind swell of course I wouldn't be going if it's like 10 foot seas we had a 10 day time period yep so I was like, this is going to be more of an endurance style kind of a thing. And I just started training my body that way. Um, I do a lot of studying health and human performance. So it was kind of cool to be able to tie in what I'm studying and like test myself on the things I'm studying. So it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's way cool. So then what was your, so you had, so your, your, what was your approach? So you'd, you'd gone through some kind of training regimen to get yourself prepared a few years back for three to two miles of M2L. Here you are like tripling that. Did you have, yeah. like, what was, how did you set up your sort of approach to training, um, to do this whole thing? Well, I mean, my base training has been pretty set, you know, I race all year round, whatever, like most, yep. uh, racers, but so I didn't have to really focus too much on base training, but I just kind of developed a six month plan that added more and more miles as we went along yeah. to a peak basically. Right. Um, and I, the most, I mean, basically it's just spending time on the water you know, in different conditions. And I did some night paddling and I did a lot of, it took me about a month to be able to slow down my training pace. Actually, <laughs> I oh. had to learn how to go slower yeah, and try to keep a slow, steady pace. And then I practiced eating like what I was going to eat and make sure everything worked. So those were like the kind of things I was practicing. Um, the staying awake part, I've, I worked for the fire department for the last 15 years. So I'm on yeah. shift and, uh, -huh. uh so I'm kind of like used to functioning right. at all hours of the night. So I figured with the <laughs> adrenaline, like that wasn't really a concern, but yeah. So I just paddled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just paddled a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you got you know, your six month window. It keeps shrinking. You're paddling, you're feeling good training and everything. And you get within that 10 day window. And so then how you looked like you had, I saw some pictures on Instagram of a great group of people kind of celebrating. It looked like before you were going to head off to do this. So this looks like you had a strong crew around you to support you in this, in this effort. Yeah. The community here, I live in South Florida. The community is awesome. They're super supportive. Um, they were supportive the whole time. We had like a going away party and all this fun stuff. So, and I had a solid crew that came with me. We basically picked a week. Um, when we looked at the weather window, like 
a few months out, even though it was a long stretch. And we're like, all right, this looks like the pattern yeah. that's happening. And we're going to pick this week and we're going to go. And whatever day is the best within those 10 days, we're going to go. And it just so happened that the best day was the next day that we got there. Oh, so we left the next day and there was a huge storm following it. So I got really lucky in that aspect. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I can imagine waiting around because the conditions were not right and just waiting and waiting. And it's not like you're yeah. going to go paddle a bunch because you don't want to waste all your energy. So you're just kind of waiting and just like watching the clock and hoping. Exactly. <laughs> so you're probably like, all right, oh, one day <laughs> of waiting, then you jump and you go. So what was what was the forecast for that day uh, that you that you were you had targeted? What, what was this, what, what was it like looking to be like out there in the channel? Um. Well, it was looking to be like it was looking to be a north or sorry southeast wind, so I was expecting it to be on my right side, but mm-hmm. we didn't think it was gonna ha- about fifteen, like twelve to fifteen miles an hour. Yep. Um, I didn't think it was supposed to happen later in the day, but it wound up happening like twenty minutes after we started. Oh, so that geez. became a that was pretty much windy for twenty seven hours. Oh, it was man. pretty terrible. But From that same um, direction. <laughs> Yep. So yeah. I paddled most of the time on my left side and I actually wound up getting nerve damage in my hand because of that. But no way. It came back after four months. But um so yeah, we got out there and it was just constant wind and chop. Uh it could have been worse, definitely, but yeah. it could have been better. We didn't get any storms until later at night. We had a storm that came through for about two hours. Hmm. And that was pretty hectic. But really? there was no lightning, so it was good. So, <laughs> Just more wind. <laughs> yeah. And, and wind and rain too? Or what, what was it? A little rain, but mostly wind. And then it started coming from the south. So we had like, I had a south wind and then I had an east swell. And wow. the current was going. Yeah, it was just... It was just kind of wacky. Yeah. But it became like a washing machine. I couldn't really see anything. Whew. Yeah. How so, is that? I mean, at <laughs> night, I, I mean... Are you just feeling the water by instinct and by foot and seeing with the board and you're just reacting last minute because you can't quite see the bump coming or, or how is yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, by that time, I had pretty good feels on the ocean yeah. with my legs, obviously. But like you can see a lot more than you think. Right. Um, the light, any of the lights, they kept me pretty close at night. They were on my side. Yeah. Um, but any lights that were on, I had them turn off because anything, even the glow stick on my board was bothering me. But yeah. What I was doing was I was watching the pinstripes on the boat. And whenever I would see them dip down, I knew a wave was coming. And oh, wow. there, then the, the wave came. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like, it was, it's funny because in the videos, you just see my eyes are like, I don't think I blinked for like hours. Right. <laughs> like, With the night vision, it looked all weird. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> like that thousand yard stare. You're just yeah, like. I'm just staring like. <laughs> so did you get knocked off a bunch or were you able to just no, kind of power you know, through it? No, I didn't it? fall. I didn't fall. Not once. The oh, only time wow. that I went to, I got, when I went to go switch out a pack one time, went to go sit on my board. Yeah. And my foot got stuck in the handle, but that was about that it. That was it. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, so I didn't fall. You. Oh, I didn't want to fall. <laughs> wow. I had a pretty wide board. I was on a 28-inch wide board. Yep. So it was like a lot wider than what I'm used to. Yeah. So, so uh, I didn't fall. The falling part or just like general fitness to do that. I'm, I mean, I also look at pictures and here you are doing like weight training. It looks like you're doing squats and a bunch of other stuff. So do you attribute like your ability to stay on your board so well, to not just all the time in the water and just great balance, but also just like that kind of core leg strength and other strength that you've developed as well? How much is that? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I definitely did a lot of 
with racing and everything, I started doing a lot more weight training and uh, core training and just like to build up my stabilizing muscles, you know? Yeah. Um, so it definitely helps as far as like you don't get tired, so your legs don't give out. Right. Uh, but I think a lot of it does have to do with just being in the ocean a lot. Right. On my board. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about 27 hours and 48 minutes, which <laughs> I mean, like six and a half in the Molokai channel pretty much wipes me out. And you're going another four, <laughs> four times that. So how take us through that aspect of it. So the physical part sounds like you did well. You could feel the water. You're physically fit. You had your nutrition. But what about like, I mean, getting through just the hours as they drag by. I mean, did you get, was it challenging mentally or emotionally during any of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first like three or first one third of it went by pretty quick because I was so busy. Yeah. Um, I guess as nighttime approached, I was getting nervous for the night. So I didn't really think too much. But then after the storm came, I was just over it. Right. And mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be done. <laughs> and uh, we still had a long time to go. So yeah. that was the point where I was like, I just want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I had this huge... Oh, you can do it. You can just stop. You know, you can do it. Just stop. And I'm like, well, no, you don't know you can do it. You haven't done it. So you got to keep going. Yeah. That's why you're here. Right. So right. I just kept going. But yeah, I mean, and then the last two hours was tough because you could kind of see land and it was there, but it just wasn't getting any closer. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. like, and it was still windy. The chop had kind of died. Oh, man. But it was windy. And then there was seaweed all over Key West at that period of time yeah so I was like oh gosh yeah yeah but you just buckled down and got through it so let me ask you then having done Molokai and again and you may have heard a few other folks in the podcast it's one of my favorite kind of themes of that dark place everybody's got a name for it and how how people combat against it um compare like and maybe you were all good and you know on Molokai crossing and didn't go to that kind of dark place but was there how would you compare sort of the mental game um, or challenge of what you did with 115 miles versus what you did Molokai, which is 32? I think mentally, no matter what the distance is, you always reach some sort of point, especially when you get closer to the end, it feels like. Yeah. So with Molokai, I kind of reached a point where I was just frustrated and tired because it was super rough and I was still had nine miles left. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of similar. It's just like different time but you know when you're training for something I feel like I put my mindset like this is going to take you know however many I plan for 30 hours Ah, so I was thinking in my head and same with Molokai you're kind of thinking all right this is probably going to take me whatever amount of hours your goal is yep so I think it's not any different it's just a different length right but your mindset's the same yeah yeah i get you is that you set your expectations for like longer and then you're kind of pleasantly surprised (laughs) when you come in a little bit sooner versus like (laughs) going the other way rather be surprised than disappointed yeah (laughs) yeah for sure so then when you uh when you finish in key west i mean like how how describe that sort of emotion (laughs) of just finishing that intense intense event you know an accomplishment yeah, I mean, you know, I always see these little finishing things and they like fall on the ground and they cry and yeah. and I kind of just like paddled up on the beach and took my board and walked up the beach and all my friends and family were there. But I think I was in such a different place in my head that uh, I couldn't really. And still to this day, I'm kind of like, did that really happen? Yeah. 
He goes, I really, yeah. I have to like watch the videos or look at pictures to even remember where I was. Right. But right. it was awesome because my family and friends were there and I was like, holy crap, we just got it done. Right. But yeah, it was, I don't know. It was kind of like surreal. Right, right. That's a good way to put it. You're just in the in the zone and just yeah. Yeah, I was totally in the zone. Autopilot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Okay. You're like cool. Can we get some breakfast now, please, or something? Yeah. (laughs) Is anybody hungry for lunch? (laughs) I actually wound up not coming in till ten o'clock that night. (laughs) Oh really? Oh man. I made it to Duval Street. That was my goal. Oh yeah. (laughs) But my feet were soup swollen, so there you go. Well earned. Okay, so. Now, part of your, and I was reading it, I'd like to hear a little bit more about this aspect of doing that crossing was you, you have a world record, which is in, incredible, um, but you also did it to kind of, um, you know, and I'll let you just describe how, but to kind of raise awareness of women in, you know, in sports in general and maybe also in just water sports. So how did you weave that aspect of uh, into, into the, the crossing? I mean, I think when you choose to do something a little more out of your comfort zone. Yep. You know, it's good to find something that's going to motivate you at your tough times or else you may just say, eh, yeah. you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I was like, what's important to me? And I grew up as an athlete. Uh, and then, of course, within the water world, there's even less females than in the regular sports world. Yeah. So and I'm always trying to motivate women to get out there. And and I do a bunch of stuff with women here to get them out there more. So. You know, and I have a full side women to just go out there and do whatever it is that you put your mind to, yep. regardless of your situation. Yeah. You know, you have you have time for yourself. You can make time. There's certain ways you can do things. And I just wanted to show them that, hey, listen, you can do it. Yeah. You know, I'm a regular person. I'm not a professional athlete like that. I work. I go to school. I have a fam, you know, a house and a boyfriend and friends. Yep. And so I just wanted to be a good example. And it was really cool because it actually reached younger girls more oh. than I even, I didn't even actually think about that. Cause I'm not around kids a lot, but yeah. Um, that's been awesome. Cause I've been able to go talk a lot in schools to them and it was just something I didn't expect, but it's actually more than what I wanted. So that's way cool. It's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was your, your accomplishment was I'm sure publicized widely, especially in your local area. And so did people hear about it, invite you to come speak to like, you know, young girls or just, you know, classes and stuff around that? Yeah. Yep. It was on the news a lot here and then in the uh, newspaper and a lot of the magazines and stuff had it here. So, um, yeah, some schools contacted me and some women's groups and stuff. Yeah. Um, And I think I'm able to put it in a way where no matter what they're doing it could even be not sport related um just the whole principle behind it yeah yeah for sure just so, pushing yourself yeah that's you don't really realize cool. that people do actually pay attention yeah you know <laughs> i didn't realize that yeah it's super true <laughs> it's really true and i i'm a huge fan and i've mentioned this you know other uh strong women like you who are super inspirational um, doing amazing things in the water while having a normal life, you know, as I have daughters who are in their teens and it's just cool that there are women who, and I, I'm the same way with kind of with giving back to just kids in general, but everybody needs a role model and you never know when somebody is, has seen what you've done is inspired by it. You may never know, you know, until like yeah, later in yeah. life, somebody might bump into you and be like, ah, oh, back in, you know, 2018, now it's whatever, 2038 or something. Like, I saw <laughs> what you did, and I've been doing all this stuff since. You know, like, that's going to happen, you know, so that's really cool. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so then Victoria, take us back. And I mean, we just talked about the gnarliest paddle that I've probably ever heard of. And how did you get to that point? I mean, talk about you growing up, your, you know, early ocean life, you know, um, what you were doing, where, where you were doing it, who you were doing with and how you just got to be, you know, to a point where you are, you know, just so strong and competent and having so much fun in the water. Uh, okay. Um, I didn't really start getting into surfing and stuff until I was 19. When I was growing up, I was actually a land, land sports, like, ah. like softball and soccer and all that. Yep. Um, but I always live, you know, we live in South Florida, so I always went to the beach and things like that. But I started surfing after high school and with a trespass surf club and we had a good time and I got hooked. So yeah. it's still today my passion. I love surfing yeah. more than anything, pretty much. But, um, South Florida doesn't really have waves all the time. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of our breaks changed over the last few years with some of the storms and things. So, um, we got less, le less and less waves. So I started stand up paddling cause everybody was kind of like, come on, just do it. And I was like, for a while I was like, no, I'm not doing that. It's goofy. No way. <laughs> it's nope, right. Nope. Get out of here. I'm laying down. Get off my wave. <laughs> Go somewhere else. <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? Let me try this. And I started dating uh, my boyfriend, Rory, who kind of like pioneered sup here in Florida. Ah. And, uh, I started helping him out and getting on boards and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And you can get in shape. And I was competitive still. So yeah. I started racing and, uh, that's kind of like where, where it all started from. Of course I, I fish and I free dive and things like that. So I'm, I'm pretty much always in the water now. Um, but yeah, I find paddling is definitely great for, to keep you in shape. Right. But I love surfing. I do that any day over, over paddling. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> you wake up and see what's going on in the water. Maybe there's <laughs> waves you surf. Maybe there's no waves and fish. You may then go you fish. Paddle. Yeah. There, yeah. Then exactly. there's paddling. Everything, a little bit of everything. Now oh. we got this whole foil thing. That's a whole new thing. Oh, I know. I know. So. I'm going to ask you about that too. But I'm curious. So what, how is like the relationship in the lineup surfing um, between like SUP surfing and prone surfing has, what's that like these days? Does it matter what break you're at or lo location or how is yeah. the whole thing? I mean, there's some breaks around here still that they don't really want sup at. Yep. It's not like Hawaii or anything, but you know, they'll give them looks, but it's pretty friendly here. I mean, it just depends. Yeah. I mean, like today it was pretty big. It was it was probably like four foot overhead today and there's this guy out on a sup and he was really not good and his yeah. board was going everywhere. It's kind of dangerous kind oh, of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. And then people are like, all right, you know, can you watch out? But yeah, it's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty friendly. Yeah. Cool. Was it always so, that way? How was it when first, was it when it was first kind of? Uh, it was a little more localized when yeah. I first started surfing. Yeah. But it's become a little bit, it's more crowded down here now. So it's kind of more accepted. There's right. still some places though where you go and you're like, you know, you have to really watch it even just surfing you have to watch it yeah but not too bad now how about like fishing and diving i mean is that something that you you also picked up like you know as you mentioned sort of after high school and everything yeah i i uh, worked on a dive boat for a little bit when i was in paramedic school oh, nice. and then uh i stopped tank diving i started free diving and we just my boyfriend does a lot of it so i kind of mm. like it's great to have someone that does a lot of stuff you do because then you get to do it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it way easier. Yeah, I see all these, exactly. all these pictures on Instagram of you holding up like <laughs> wahoos and, you know, mahi. I mean, you guys are out there doing so many rad things. So 
What, do you have a boat near, like on a dock nearby? You jump on and just run out, or what do you got? What's your? Yeah, we craft? have a little sixteen-foot boat that yep. we go on. Or that's my boyfriend has it. It's his boat, but we'll go on our friend's boat sometimes. Yeah, just depends. Nice on the and waves. So, like, you're at. So, give us like the the town you're in, just so we get a little bit more context of the area where you're where you're in playing in the water so much. Where is that exactly? I live in Fort Lauderdale okay. Beach, which is like. 30 minutes uh, north of Miami. Yep. Most people know where Miami is. So, and then uh, we don't get waves too much down here. Um, so a lot of times we drive about an hour north. We're blocked by the Bahamas down here. Yeah. Right. So right. yeah, when we do get waves, it's beautiful. It's like tropical and awesome, but it doesn't happen often. But we stay pretty much an hour north to all the way down here. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, how about, how, how has things changed? So you're you're saying you're in a location that, um, you have the Atlantic, but it's, um, it's predominantly a lot of that, that juice, that energy is blocked by the Bahamas. Now, how has that, and you gotta go drive, but now with the invention and the arrival of the foil, how does that help you to have more fun on those sort of (laughs) small sloppy days when you might not even serve, you'd have to drive? Is that, is that a game changer for you guys there? Yeah, big time. I mean, we can go out on days where it's like shin high and catch waves. It's just, it's huge. It's so, it's really going to be, we're just learning now, but I'm sure once we get into it more, um, it's going to be a game changer on uh, those days where it's like you can't even sup because it's so small, but this thing just goes it's oh crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So are you like prone foil surfing? Are you SUP foil surfing or both? I just got a prone. I haven't used it yet. Yep. Um, but I, I started on the SUP. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know, I did the same except I'd never SUP'd so I couldn't catch waves standing up. I'm just, I've just been prone <laughs> surfing my whole life. And so I put the paddle away and then just prone How's that Foil surf? Oh, it's been great because this thing gets in super easy and it's like, I think anyway, because it's a, it's a seven, seven, like F one. And so uh, to me, and I'm not a foil like pro at all, but versus like this little five, six, you know, prone foil board I have that one just pops up out of the water immediately as soon as you stand on. But this bigger, like seven, seven SUP one, like I can scratch in cause I know how to like, prone surf but I can kind of dictate when it comes out of the water a little bit, you know? And so for like a learnability part for me, it's been like a really nice, more gradual learning curve versus just standing up and getting chucked off the thing, you know, like you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I've got some bruises. (laughs) Yeah. I saw a great picture of you and the thing turned sideways, which is like the, you know, when you, you know, it's happening, you're just like, Oh man. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do. That's the worst part. (laughs) Nothing you can do. That's right. So, um, one of the other cool things I was checking out. So actually talk about, you know, like your sports nutrition, you, you're in school, you just finished getting your PhD or you got your PhD. What- I'm about six months away from finishing my PhD. Oh. It's in health and human performance. Congratulations. Um, How cool. Thank you. Almost. <laughs> uh, it's been fun, but, uh, yeah, I got certified as a sports nutritionist last year. I do a lot of research and everything on athletes around here at the university and, um, it's been cool because we've been trying to apply a lot of it to paddle, paddle sports and everything. Yeah. Um, and I just recently started working with paddle monster, right. uh, Larry Kane and John, um, actually I'm going to start February. We start a first group. So I hope that being able to spread knowledge to the stand up world and really anybody, but the stand up world will help keep that sport strong because, you know, it goes up and down, up and down. Yep. 
and hopefully this will help people get stronger and and stay with it yeah we'll see how that goes oh that's awesome i mean we can't have enough of like resources just out there that people can adopt for either you know physical training nutrition etc to stay in the water um, but talk about Paddle Monster and what that is, but also the aspect that you're providing with all the nutritional, you know, pieces. Okay, yeah, Paddle Monster. It's an online training platform that they started. I think it was two years ago, and they basically develop uh, strength programs and paddle programs for anybody. You know, if you're not a paddler, you can still sign up for their strength. And super solid group of coaches, Larry Kane, John, and. Chris and every Seychelles and everything, and um, they didn't have a nutrition aspect. So we were talking earlier this year or last year, I should say, at a race, and then we got with it. I think in the fall we were discussing it in more detail about adding nutrition and just kind of like making it a whole. So I I'm just going to be the nutrition coach. Um, yeah, and so now people can sign up. They can sign up for strength program. They can sign up for paddle program, add the nutrition aspect. Um, they do a lot of flexibility stuff too on there. They have videos and things like that. So it's really yeah. like an all around platform right. for training and nutrition. It's that's, pretty cool. That's cool. And so your part is, I mean, is it similar to what the the physical part is where, you know, you provide sort of what your goals are, you're going to do long distance race or sprint races or whatever that might be, what your body type is. And then there's a training program that's structured for you. Do you, you yourself then provide like a nutritional a tailor a nutritional program for that individual person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all individualized. Yeah. So depending on their goals, um, we will have everything from when they're starting their training. You know, everything from when what they're eating when they're training, what they're eating before their specific event, during the event, post for recovery, yeah. things like that. Um, nutrition plays a huge part in the athletic world, and a lot of times, well, most of the time you don't even realize it until you actually start doing it properly and you get so much more gains. So I hope that, that that's what's happened. (laughs) Hopefully it'd be cool to see everybody's performance increase just by a few little switches. Yeah. I I think that's awesome. I mean, I look at my own, I wouldn't even call it competitive. I've been doing prone races for a long time, but it's always like, oh, what do you use? Well, I use Gatorade. People are like, no, don't use Gatorade. Use this. Try heat. Try, you know, oh, you're going to do more in yeah. two hours. Try this thing. And 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 it's also on each individual to like spend the time to do the research. But a lot of times exactly. you're not sure if that makes sense or this makes sense. And you just buy the stuff and you use it. And you're like, I think that's fine. So I really like with this this aspect because, I mean, you know for sure if you can get an extra 5% out of your body or whatever that is you might just finish, you might not finish any higher than you would, but you might finish in a better state of mind. You might feel better, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I think that's Yeah. Cool. I mean, I didn't, you know, for my crossing, I didn't cramp. I didn't get, I ate 7,000 calories, oh, but I man. planned that nutritional plan, like the same way I planned out my training plan, yeah. you know, and it, it up till when the guys on the boat, they were on it. You know, I right. wrote out exactly what I needed. This yep. and, that, and I felt great the whole time with that. I didn't have any GI distress. Wow nothing so and i mean you're right a lot of people it's hard because there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of misinformation and you know there's a lot of good information but i hope that all this time i've spent studying this and all the research i've done i hope that i'm able to provide like research backed right proven you know stuff yeah that people can grasp onto well what's neat about it too is not only do you have like the 
I mean, like the competitive cred, <laughs> you know, like you've done some amazing things. You've been very competitive for a long time, but you also have like the trained, the training, you know, you've done, you're putting a PhD in it. So you're putting that together, which is, which is cool. But let me ask you, so I'm looking at your bio on your site and you, you've been competitive, you know, paddling for, I mean, gosh, five years more. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? What were you like, about your own nutrition? Like compare your nutrition of today versus back in 2014. Cause now you know, you know probably a lot more. What were you doing back then that you look back and go, Oh, I can't believe I was doing that, but you didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wasn't eating enough. Really? And second of all, I was hardly eating any protein, like for recovery. It's huge, you know? So when I started logging all my food and actually paying attention to my macronutrients and everything, I just really couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it's typical, you know, I mean, everybody does it unless you pay attention to it because proteins, you know, what's better carbs or protein yeah. carbs are tastier. So, <laughs> but that helped me with recovery, getting stronger, getting faster and being able to perform even stronger the next day than the day before. So that's what I learned for myself. Got it. Now, That's what about, and this is one that like, there's, a, I've had this debate with like 10 different people and I have no idea myself. I know what I like, but so a big event, to call it Molokai, 32 miles, right? Some people, they swear by having a big giant breakfast, like eggs and bacon and toast, like, or pancakes, like a full on, I'm going to sit down and have a huge breakfast, right? Other people are like, I don't, I barely have a bar or a little, little something, you know, um, and others kind of somewhere in between. So what do you think? What's your kind of, what do you, how, what would you say after all the years you've done this stuff and also your own, you know, learning and education, what would you suggest for like a pre, a big, a, a pre-meal for a giant race like that? Well, the most important thing really is to eat a meal that you are used to, first of all. Yeah. You know, don't try something new the day before or the day of, um, and as far as that goes, it's really kind of personal preference, but it's important that you do eat throughout the event. Yeah. So if you're not going to eat breakfast and you're not going to eat hardly anything throughout the event, you're going to run out of energy. I mean, right. the food's your energy, right? So if you don't eat breakfast, but then like an hour into it, you start getting in your calories and you're, you have something in your water pack and, you know, this and that. Some people don't like to eat breakfast. I love to eat breakfast. Yep. Um, but there really is no, you know, hmm. obviously you want to get your carbs in before the race and everything like that. Protein yeah. is for recovery. So carbs and, and, uh, that's the most important carbs and fats, but yeah, it just depends. I mean, sometimes I'll eat, you know, eggs and, and toast. And sometimes yeah. I'll have oatmeal with like peanut butter and, right. and things like that in it. But so no real right or wrong, just kind of what's up, what works for you. Yeah, what works for you as long as yeah. you're eating something. Right, right. Gotcha. You know, and, and as it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you want to pick apart what you're eating and how much energy it has in it and what you need for that race. But that's kind of where I come in. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. Well, well, we'll have everybody give you a call before the next <laughs> yeah, race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, one other question on this part. I'm just picking your brain. I, if, uh, but I'm curious from a p- professional who knows nutrition and knows paddling so well. Um do you have a favorite like brand of, you know, the, the sports drinks or not sports drinks, but like, you know, the endurance formula stuff like heat or any of the other stuff? Do you have one that you think is cool for you? I personally, I use tailwind tailwind. Yeah. Okay. But I haven't really, I can't remember. I tried hammer for a bit, but yeah. 
um, Tailwind's worked pretty well for me. Right. Gotcha. It's got a lot of good stuff in it, so I yeah. just throw that in my pack. Yep. Got it. They so make now, one that oh. doesn't taste like anything now, which is good if you don't like the taste of things. So. Oh, that's really nice, especially on those longer races where you just can't stand, like and after three hours or four hours, you just can't stand the taste <laughs> of like, stuff. You're like, no more strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so not only are you competitive yourself, and I'm looking, you got this long list, I mean, of just epic races, just I'm guessing probably 10 or more per year for the last few years, but you've also been hosting races and been part of putting them on in your local area. One of the things mm -hmm. that I'm seeing here is you're one of the head coaches for the Broward County Special Olympics SUP team. Um, yeah. That's cool. So talk about that, how you got into it and, and what that's all about. Uh, about five years, four or five years ago, they asked Rory, my boyfriend, if he was interested in, they didn't have a team for the county we live in. So someone passed on his name and they asked, hey, are you guys interested in coaching? We want to start a team. So we're like, all right, great. So we've been doing it for five years now, and it's awesome. When wow. we first started, you know, the kids, they never they never been on a board before. Yeah. Uh, they have to swim or they have to be on the surf team to be on the stand-up paddle team. But okay. So when we first got them, they all were either on their knees or sitting down. And then that first year when we went to States, they won like 10 gold medals. Wow. And they were standing up. And so to see that transformation – was so cool and it's just something our season runs from i think it's april to september we practice with them once a week and it's something that it really brings you back to the roots of the sport right whatever sport it is you know we get so consumed in like the competition and trying to win the race and yeah. get the fastest time and they're out there smiling they don't care about anything except for the fact that they're out there and yeah. so i think it brings you back to this is what it's all about, really. Right. You know, so it's really cool. No, oh, that's awesome. And so as a coach, I mean, what are you, I'm guessing you have kids who maybe done it for a little while and then you may, maybe get new kids coming in. And so are you, what, what's like your, you get them on the board, teach them to be safe, but like, how do you, are there certain events that you like teach them of how to like do a buoy turn or mm -hmm. what is that like, you know, the format? Yeah, we have all different levels and all different sorts of um, limitations that they have. Some are more severe than others. Um, so it just depends on the athlete. But yeah, last year we started teaching a few of them buoy turns and actually they, they were able to get back, step back like in a surf stance and like literally pivot the board around. Oh, the that's cool. So it was so cool. You know, so it's a, they have their races and as they come up, like the county race or the state race, depending on what group they're in, if they're doing a hundred yards or two miles, yeah. then we kind of wow. like just practice with them with that. Yeah. And yeah. And then they go out there and they compete and it's really cool to see actually. Way cool. So how many kids are on the team? Like as of today? We have about 20. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty solid. Way solid. And so what are the, what's the age range? Um, it ranges anywhere from young to actually not, some of them are like in their twenties. Yeah. Um, late twenties, actually. There may uh, even be a 30 year old. Right. It's hard, you know, it's hard to tell and they don't really yep. give us some of the backgrounds and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so cool. We have a thing here. Um, that's called ride a wave, which is very similar. You know, it's just kids who, um, who probably I'd say maybe a step below like special Olympics. Like they, they don't really get out of, you know, their houses too much. They're kind of debil debilitating different types of, um, 
I shouldn't say issues like that, but you know, like um, challenges they face. And it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like we take them out. And I shouldn't say we, a uh, big community in my area, we will go down there and support. Um, but it's just, you know, it's like you get like pro surfers and guys who surf Mavericks and all the lifeguards and put these kids on these really cool, big giant boards, take them out, let them get waves with, you know, <laughs> totally. Cool. Yeah. With like helmets and the life vest. But to your point, it's, the raddest thing is people it's just like you walk away from that and you just you're like you see the world differently you see your ocean life differently and how fortunate you are and then you realize like how i was vibing that guy because he cut me off in the water and like all this stuff (laughs) that is these kids could care less about you know they're just so stoked you know it's such a great reminder (laughs) (laughs) for sure it definitely is um, but then you're also helping put on another big event, right? So you says, you know, working with your boyfriend, Rory, you got a big giant sup race, the RK sunshine series. What is that all about? Mm-hmm. Uh, about he's, he's had it for about maybe nine years now. Wow. Now this is the 10th year, I think. Cool. Uh, we started dating mm-hmm. about six years ago. So I stepped in with him then to help out. And yeah, uh, we do it twice a year. It's a three and a six mile race and we keep it in the ocean. A lot of races around here are in the intercoastal yep. but we try to you know introduce people to the ocean and everything and we actually have it set up kind of like the old bop style with the run chicane what's that so it's a lap course where they do like a, a mile and then they come in off their boards and run oh yeah a little run and then yeah. go back out and yep. it's cool because it keeps the crowd that's watching into yeah. it and they can see what's going on and yep. it's not like all right see you in an hour so right. yep. it changes things up too you know Usually you could tell the first, the top three people in every race, but not in this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's great. I mean, it brings the community together and we're having fun with it. Right. We team up with um, a huge kayak fishing tournament. Uh-huh. So they go out and they fish all day in their kayaks. And then by the time we're done with the races, they come in and they weigh their fish in. Oh, that's So cool. everybody gets to see. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And they're catching like huge fish on these kayaks. Really? That's... Not me. Yeah, there there is a limit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's awesome. So then, of all the races that you that you do, to, um, you know, year to year, do you have a favorite one there in your local area, or even just on the East Coast? Maybe if you you know travel somewhere, what, do you have a favorite one, or even a surf contest, maybe for that matter too? Um, I really just like ocean races. Yeah, they're pretty much my favorite. Yep. I just, I get kind of bored in the flat water and yeah. it's just such a grind. <laughs> yeah, it and is. And it's so hot here all the time that right. it's like, oh gosh. But yeah. I mean, I don't have any, I, I like a lot of the, most of the races just because you get to see all your friends and everything. Yep. But, yeah. Now, what about um, like surf contests? Is that, you looks like, I mean, you're still doing both. You're still racing and doing con- like surf contests. Yeah, I started surf or competing in surf a few years ago, um, more sup surfing. Okay. I'm not the best uh, competitive surfer in a contest. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I like to just go have fun. Right, right. <laughs> too, too much to think about. Like, yeah, what? totally. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, need, you don't um, want, yeah, you don't have to strategize your surf session. You just want yeah, to go surf. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but sup surfing, yeah, I've gotten into that. We have one contest that goes on around here in the East Coast of Florida, um, but they haven't announced the dates yet. I'm not sure if they're doing it this year. So, yeah. But I came in second the last one they had last year so nice. for the series. So that was kind of cool. And I actually have been thinking about getting more into subsurfing as far as the competitive level. Yep. Cool. So we'll see where that goes. 
Well, right on. This looks like whatever you decide to put your efforts into, you're going to crush it. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Just yeah. have fun. That's all. Uh, that's exactly right. For sure. So then Victoria, what, um, you're a few months away, you said from finishing your PhD, which is epic. What else is big thing? Any other big plans or big stuff kind of looking forward to here? I think that's it. <laughs> I yeah. just want to get that done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bet. No, I'm just going to focus on my subsurfing a little more and maybe next year, maybe jump on the tour that they have going on, the app tour, yeah. um, but I'm not sure. It just depends. Yep. Gotcha. And so who are your so, sponsors today that support you in all this rad stuff? I ride for ECS. Okay. East Coast Surfboards are out of um, Australia. Yeah. Uh, they make awesome boards and they have a whole, like, sur they have surfboards, they have SUPs, they have race boards. So it's like an all-around company. They just started making foils. Yeah. Um, so that's who I'm with. Uh, and then Roxy and Oakley. Cool. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm really appreciate you reaching out and, and spending your time. This has been super fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm just inspired by the cool stuff you're doing and just, uh, keep doing it. So really thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Okay. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please, you know, uh, hype us up on social media. Always appreciate, you know, spreading the word. Uh, give us a nice little rating on the, uh, your podcast app and uh, just keep tuning in. If you're interested in being on the show and sharing some of your life stories, uh, hit me up, josh at thisoceanlife.tv. You can PM me on Facebook or Instagram. Anyway, thanks again for being here and uh, have a great day.